Hi, welcome to another episode of Paul Tom Power, Power System Designs podcast on the latest in power and power design. I'm your host, Alex Paul, and today I've got Andy Dega. He's the uh, chairman and CEO, and he's also uh, the founder of and one of the inventors of the core technology of Momentum Dynamics. And the place that they're playing in is uh, electric vehicle technologies. I, in fact, before I go on any further, I want to bring him in so we can actually start talking about it. Hi, Andy. Welcome to the show. Hi, Alex. It's a pleasure to be here. Oh, the pleasure is mine because, well, when you start talking about electric vehicles, it goes so far beyond just simply moving wheels that it's as big an issue as the smart grid and the Internet of Things by themselves, in my opinion, because cars are such a ubiquitous part of society to migrate all of that to a true uh, e-platform is going to be a daunting task. And I mean, it's not just cars, right? No, it's not just cars. It's buses, it's trucks, it's forklifts. It's everything that moves people and parcels and packages. It's an absolute paradigm shift. Well, and, and that's exactly it, because everybody thinks little teeny bubble car when they think e-car, but you can't put 10 people in one of those things. No, and you're absolutely right. When we first started looking at this, we realized uh, electric cars were not where the initial takeoff was going to happen and that the assumptions that people would only charge in their homes and at night was probably flawed and that what we needed to do was make electric vehicle driving more fun and more convenient and safer than gasoline vehicles. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now, Andy, um, what about the people who uh, are proponents of using the cars as, say, grid storage and grid stabilization uh, technology at the place of employment and try to incentivize employers to fleet their employees and their salespeople with electric vehicles? Well, one has to be very careful about drawing conclusions about that too early. I think there are very uh, important limitations to consider about using the ordinary family car as a grid storage device. There are some physics problems to deal with there one of which is do you really want to spend a lot of money and time uh, carrying the mass of that battery around all the time, or is it more effective to simply leave it in your garage or in your property and let it act as a good grid storage device? On the other hand, school buses are a tremendous opportunity for for vehicle-to-grid applications because they stand still during the summer and they represent megawatts of stored capacity. Hmm, That's an excellent point, Andy. Now, I mentioned at the beginning of the show that you're the founder and, uh, and co-inventor of the core technology behind your flavor of um, vehicle e-solutions. Why don't you tell us a little bit about what aspect of it, because obviously there are a lot of moving parts in there, no pun intended, from the, the management of the power going into the vehicle, the management of the power within the vehicle, battery management, charging management. There's a lot of things going on there. Right, and, you know, a lot of those things are common to – the technologies of both plug-in and wireless, but we think wireless is really the future of where electromobility is going to need to be. And we see wireless charging as the key enabling technology that will allow wide-scale adoption of all types of electric vehicles. What's necessary to remember is that the wireless revolution is finally coming to hit power. It's part of the spectrum. It's, it's, It's an extension of data and it is now being realized that power transmission through air and water is technically feasible and efficient and practicable. So we can do this, and we will be doing this, and you'll see that 
uh, in 2020 uh, 20 so or so in that time frame, I, th- I believe most vehicles will be charged wirelessly. Really? Well, I mean, and, and you make a lot of great points about that. Now, what about those that say that uh, wireless charging is an inherently inefficient method? Actually, that's simply not true. And if you look at an off-board DC charger, you'll find that they operate at an at a, uh, overall efficiency of about 86 to 87%, and that's measured from the wall to the battery. If you look at a plug-in charger, say a Level 2 SAE 17, J1772 charger uh, from any manufacturer, they will operate at about 90, 91, 92%, depending on who makes it and the length of the cord. What happens is that once that electricity gets on board the vehicle, it, it creates heat, and that heat has to be dissipated. The same exact physics applies to wireless charging. The power is not lost into free space. It has to pass through the same semiconductors and has about a 90% overall power transfer efficiency, just as plug-in does. There you go. That's an excellent point to make, Andy, because um, that's been a lot of what some of the naysayers on the wireless side, because one of the advantages of wireless beyond um, just the technology behind it is the interface issue would disappear as long as you're using the same core transmission technology. Well, that's absolutely true. And what we're doing is shifting the interface from a physical and mechanical interface, such as a plug and a socket, which have to fit together physically, to one that is invisible and electronic and can be controlled by software. So all of a sudden, interoperability becomes a lot easier with wireless systems than it could possibly be with plug-in systems. And you have a really neat thing happening with wireless, and that means that charging can become invisible. It can become automatic and happen in any weather condition, which means it's even easier to charge your vehicle than it is to plug to, to uh, fuel your tank with gasoline. And that takes mm-hmm. three minutes, and people complain about it. And this makes it even easier than that. Well, you know, then, Andy, why don't you tell us a little bit more about Momentum Dynamics core technology and how it addresses this? Well, what we determined to do, first of all, as a company, was look at all of the potential applications. And that included buses and trucks and uh, uh, lift trucks and other commercial and industrial fleet vehicles, all of which required a lot of power. They have big batteries or heavy-duty requirements that required a lot of power. So we chased and looked after the uh, ability to transfer very large quantities of power as, as the first hurdle in bringing this new technology to market. Once we did that, we realized we could downscale it to lesser power levels for smaller devices and smaller vehicles. Having done that, we learned about uh, all of the other issues that constrain its application around vehicles, and we learned how to control the magnetic field very carefully so that it could meet all of the international safety requirements. And when you put those two things together, you get the magic formula for success. Well, that's a very good point. Now, speaking of success, how has the resonance been, also no pun intended, with the industry? I think what's happening right now is quietly you're seeing all of the major automotive uh, makers around the world, from Germany to Japan, all signing up for wireless power. You won't see a lot of press releases, although there have been a few. Uh, the, the industry condition today 
favors the movement to electric vehicles because we cannot make fleets uh, from General Motors, Ford, or any other automaker compliant with the new CAFE standards by staying with gasoline and diesel. They must Mm -hmm. introduce electric vehicles, and if they're going to sell them, they have to get rid of the cord. You make a very very, uh, convincing argument for that, Andy. Now, um, what are some of the peripheral – because the nice thing about most good technology solutions is that they not only solve the problem at hand, they usually have a peripheral spill that uh, helps – application spaces surrounding it. Is such a, a peripheral spill existent in your technology? Yeah, it does. And, and one of the things that we developed as part of uh, the peripheral enabling technologies that we developed to make all of this work is a new communication standard. And that's required to communicate between the vehicle and the ground grid connection so that we have a very safe um, system that can transfer power and turn itself off immediately if there's a disruption in the system. We also need to do this when we eventually move to moving cars that charge as they're driving. And for that, you need a very fast, um, very uh, secure communications technology, and we've got uh, patents pending on just such that uh, technology. Now, what also happens at that point is you've, you've made a movement by doing that towards the really connected car, where the car becomes part of the Internet of Things. And if you mm-hmm. look broadly, you will see that all of the major consumer electronic device makers, the chip makers, are all investing heavily in transportation today. And what we're seeing is a, 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 a confluence of data companies and tr- uh, transportation companies and automakers and energy companies all coming towards the same node in space to bring their technologies together. That is a revolution mm-hmm. right before our eyes. That's, you know, again, and I made this joke in a recent podcast, I'm, I'm going to have to just stop agreeing constantly with everyone, even though I do agree because it just the, the, the podcast just becomes a, a litany of, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, you're right, because I agree with everything you're saying about this, Andy, I think it's a, and the time is now, there's so much going on, especially when you're starting to integrate Internet of Things and the world is moving into a wireless device philosophy. The acceptance levels are also there. The market is ready, and I think the core technologies are ready as well. They are. They're actually, I think uh, wireless charging is nearer term than many people realize. I think they're going to be surprised that the prices are, of, uh, of getting involved and acquiring the technology as well as the life cycle cost of the technology is far below what people presume it to be today um, and that the reliability of the system is going to be much better, better than anyone ever expected. So um, very soon we're going to be seeing vehicles that not only are able to drive themselves but also to charge without human inter- interaction at all so they can connect to the grid and drive pollution-free wherever anyone needs to go. Or wherever they need to go, if they're autonomous, semi-autonomous, you, you, you tell the car to drop you off at work and then go find a charging spot. Well, there are people working on that. And imagine an urban mobility vehicle that frees people who live in larger cities who don't need to um, necessarily uh, find a place to park their car, but they basically say a command and the car leaves them off in front of their building or their appointment, and then the, the car goes and parks itself and charges while it's parked, 
and calling it up on a cell phone brings the car to them when they need it, and that car is probably half the size of a normal car and a fourth the weight and fits the needs of an urban dweller very easily. So mm-hmm. I think that there's a, another paradigm shift happening in the way people are thinking about car design. I agree with you there because I think by the time we actually get there, we we're not going to need a snarky robot head in the front of the robotic cab the way Schwarzenegger movies keep telling us it has to be. That's true. So, Andy, I would love to spend the rest of the day talking to you about this stuff, and that's another thing I have to keep. Stop, I have to stop saying that because I say that's almost all of my guests. I love all you guys and gals, um, but I'm definitely going to bring you back on the show sometime. We got to end. But before I do, I always give my guests the opportunity to have the last word. So anything you want to talk about, be it more about your core technology, company vision, tip for the industry, whatever it is, the floor is yours. Well, I really appreciate the opportunity to be on the uh, on the show. And uh, I would say that um, the world is changing right before our eyes. There is a almost magical mix of data and energy and transportation happening and what we all thought was true a year or two ago is becoming reality uh, before our eyes in a very practical way, and we're p- very proud to be part of that. Well, and I'm, I'm proud to be in the press box looking at the field while such fantastic plays are being done. I'm really glad to have you on the show, Andy. Well, thank you very much. Take care. And I'd like, oh, the pleasure's mine. And I'd like to thank everybody out there in the audience for taking the time to be with us. We wouldn't be here without you tell your friends. This is Alex Paul for Paul on Power. Have a great day.